Do you feel like you have nothing to contribute? That anything you might say is not going to help another person? Well, welcome to episode 150 of The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. This is a, another short one, coming down with a cold, so canceled my scheduled recording. But then I was inspired by a reading in church this morning, and I'm now sitting out in the woods uh, behind church recording this. And the reading was titled Commitment, and it said in part, People say, what is the sense of our small effort? They cannot see that we must lay one brick at a time, take one step at a time. A pebble cast into a pond causes ripples that spread in all directions. Each one of our thoughts, words, and deeds is like that. And so I want to dedicate today's show to your voice. Because when you share your experience, strength, and hope, or your your fears and your sadness, uh, it touches the rest of us. And this is how we help one another in Al-Anon, is by, by sharing our own experience, strength, and hope, whether we feel that we have an answer or not. Uh, our experience, our understanding uh, may strike a deep chord in somebody else who we may never know it, but it is true. And so our words are cast out like a pebble into a pond and spread out in ripples and affect and help and support other people in the program. So I wanted to sort of leave the the rest of this program for your voices as expressed in your emails and uh, your voicemails over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I just want to share a little bit of where I've been uh, in my program and how I'm using my program in, in recovery over the over the last couple of weeks because it's really been that long since I've talked about it, I think. Last week was a, a fourth-step workshop uh, presented uh, as, as an open talk. And if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because I just listened to it again this morning and I, f- I find a lot of uh, a lot of wisdom in in that uh, particular workshop a lot of uh, helped helped with clarity around some some things that I still uh, maybe don't don't do very well when I take my inventory so I encourage you to listen to last week's episode if you haven't already that's episode 149 at the recovery show.com/149 Last weekend, uh, I went with uh, some teens from my church to a, a weekend youth conference uh, at a church a few hundred miles away, and we had time during the drive down there uh, for some conversation, for me catching up what's been happening with the, these young people that I know, but I'm not involved in their daily lives, and uh, sharing their music, which is always fun for me to sort of hear what's going on uh, in other people's musical taste. And uh, then spent the uh, the weekend, Friday night through Sunday, with about uh, 50 or 60 young people uh, as we explored various topics uh, in social justice and in worship 
and just sort of getting to know each other. One of the sort of traditions in, in these group when they get together is everybody decorates a little paper bag with their name on it and maybe a, a drawing or something. And these bags get taped up on the wall. They're called compliment bags. And over the course of the weekend, anybody who feels moved to share something complimentary with another person can write a little note and stick it in their bag. And I did this too. And I got, got a few notes. One person uh, who did not identify themselves said, I love your stories, uh, which, you know, that's nice to hear. I never know. I, I share stories and I never know whether people are actually getting anything out of them or not. Um, another young person who will be graduating from high school this year, going on to college, and somebody that I've worked with in helping to plan some of these conferences in the past, uh, left a note thanking me for my mentorship. And, you know, that's just such a compliment. And, and I feel such gratitude when, uh, when I hear something like that, because I, you know, I throw my pebbles out into the pond and, and I never know what ripples they might affect. And, and I did, you know, work, work with this young person on, on a couple of projects. And so had more direct connection with them than maybe with some others, but I still, I still never know. And, and usually don't hear, I just have faith that what I'm doing uh, may be touching somebody. And, and so it's really nice to hear that on occasion. I did not make it to any Al-Anon meetings last week. Well, the week before, I guess, because of being sick and traveling. And when I got home, I could have gone to my Sunday night meeting, but I really wasn't feeling very well and thought I should stay home and take care of myself. And also, uh, since it's tax season, my wife is working extra hours. And so I wanted to be there when she got home so we could spend a little bit of time together since we'd missed the whole weekend, basically. And then, let me think. So yesterday I went to my Saturday morning meeting the topic at the table I sat at, this is our tradition table once a month. We had tradition eight, which is the one about how Al-Anon 12-step work remains forever non-professional. I really connect with that part of it because um, it, it does two things for me. One is it reminds me that anybody in a meeting, anybody in the program, uh, when they speak, they might have something to say to me and that I need to listen with an open mind and and not uh, try to prejudge people by, oh, they're brand new, or I don't know them, and I know this other person, and they always have great stuff, so I'm going to wait for this other person to speak, because I have too many times had that experience of uh, somebody speaking up who maybe has never talked in a meeting before, and and what they have to say just touches me directly and, and uh, illuminates maybe something that's happening in my life right then. So Tradition 8 encourages me to keep that open mind. And and it also reminds me to share my own experience, to share my just my own experience and my own understanding of whatever topic it is that the meeting is, is focusing on, uh, whether it's a step or a tradition or a reading uh, or just a word. Like, mm, detachment is, is a word. Gratitude, forgiveness, those are all words that uh, form topics of meetings at, at times. And I need to share my own experience and I need to, to not project onto others, to not try to take others' inventories and suggest to them what, what might work for them. I can only say what worked for me. And this tradition also reminds me of that. 
which I think connects back to this topic of how our voices may reach out and help others even when we think they're not going to. Tradition 8 really connects to that pretty well. And because we have a beautiful, warm, sunny April day, I want to close with a bit of an E.E. Cummings poem, which was also printed on the front of our order of service this morning at church. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping, greenly spirits of trees and a blue, true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. So here's some of your voices. Carrie uh, called with a Life in Recovery message. Hi, Spencer. This is Carrie. I just wanted to call and share something really cool that happened for me today when I went into a meeting. Um, first off, just briefly a little bit about myself. I first went to Al-Anon a year ago in December, um, and then one more time in the spring, and then I've been going consistently since August. And I have been feeling or thinking that maybe I should lead a meeting but I mean, I yeah, it, that scares me to pieces, the idea of it. Yeah, whew, the public speaking, yeah, I just get nervous <laughs> talking in front of a big group of people, even if I know they're super friendly and supportive and loving. So I am listening to your podcast so much, and it's really helping me, helping me in my recovery so much. Um, and I started at one, and um, today... I listened to episode 94, and the topic was spiritual practice. And I kid you not, I have this little spiral notebook that I take into meetings and do my step work in. And I literally pulled up to the meeting about 15 minutes early, and I wrote on a page, spiritual recovery, and did a reading from Hope for Today on page 37, and my intention for writing that down for myself was, if I ever were to lead a meeting, I love that topic. So I wrote that down, but I, that's all I got, had a chance to write down. So I went into the meeting because it was, you know, time and nobody had set up. And so I was like, whoop, let me, you know, start doing the chairs and everything. And some women walked in and, um, I think that, I think I've, yes, I have. I've seen all three of them lead before. But they were encouraging me to lead the meeting. So I did, and I used um, your reading from page 37, and they were very impressed. <laughs> Not really impressed, but it, it the topic really seemed to speak to everybody in the meeting today. So um, I just wanted to share that because it was such a, a really, really cool thing. I like to call them mini miracles, and it sure felt like that, that, you know, I was listening to that. I had a few minutes to write it down, and I walked in. I'm so grateful I had it because otherwise I probably would have just, you know, read from whatever today was, but it just felt really cool. A listener writes, Years ago, I was once having problems with a crazy-making sponsee. I happened to be at a meeting, and an old-timer said, After a certain length of time, and I see I want your program to be healthy, effective, step, and solution-driven more than you want your program to be healthy, effective, step, and solution-driven. That is when it is time for me to bail. And that is what I did to take care of me. My higher power wants me to be kind and loving to all, 
but he doesn't want me to be a doormat either. And thank you for that that observation. Um, it's uh, definitely a valuable uh, suggestion that uh, sometimes the people that we're working with are not really interested in, in working the program. And, um, you know, I know personally that I have to I have to ration my energy and I have to put it where it's it's going to be of most use. And if when I'm working with somebody who's really not interested in working, well, one of the things that I do is is I don't set appointments with my sponsees. I ask them to call me. And so the people who really aren't interested in working the program are generally not calling me. So that's that's sort of an easy way for me to, to bail on that. Greg writes with a topic suggestion. He says, Hi, Spencer. If you're looking for possible topics for a show, I'd like to propose something along the lines of non-Christian 12-step. I've been a practicing Buddhist since I was in college about a million years ago, sometimes better than others. When I started recovery in 2014, I wondered how compatible Al-Anon would be. As it turns out, I found them to be entirely so, and more, I find my experience in Al-Anon is transforming my practice. Yet on the various forums, there are others who have different opinions, and likewise in my Buddhist group with respect to recovery. Back in January, I went to an Al-Anon meeting while on travel and ended up spending quite a while talking to a practicing Sufi. And on the flip side, in one of my local meetings, the higher power question came up, and one guy said he just doesn't really buy the higher power deity thing. For him, faith equals hope minus reason. Lol, I still laugh at that. And yet, it also seemed Al-Anon or the Fellowship or something was helping him too. Thanks, Greg. That's um, nice. I like your observations there, and and they really, uh, you know, sort of combine with with mine. I've had similar experience in in trying to connect or in connecting the things that I hear in the program, the things that the program has taught me, with the various ways in which I express my my spirituality, my spiritual being. So thanks for that. Carrie writes in with uh, a bunch of topic suggestions. I've been pretty focused on Al-Anon this week. Sorry for so many emails, and get ready, this one's a doozy. Here are some topics I'd love to hear about and or help out with in any way. This is a list I've been making in the notes section in my phone as I've been listening to your podcast for the past four months or so. Sleep. I heard you mention that you used to have trouble sleeping. I've suffered so much with insomnia from all the stress between me and my husband. I wake up from bad dreams about him and or my two kids, two dogs, two cats wake me up, and I can't fall back asleep. What helps me, honestly, the most, going to meetings and working my program. As much as I want to, not taking naps, reducing coffee in the a.m., exercising regularly, and yoga. Perfectionism. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I've always liked that term. I can be narcissistic about my imperfections. It's exhausting. Originating from messages I got from my mom that I'm unlovable, can never do enough, not smart enough. Her rules were always changing, which was the hardest part. So as a young adult, I was a walking to-do list. That was fine until my second child and moving halfway across the country. Then the cracks started to show. My health started to fail. I was so exhausted all the time. A few women friends once asked me, would you talk to your friends like that? And that floored me. I think of that often since I heard it 11 years ago. Perfectionism makes me freeze. If I can't do it perfectly, why fail? No way. An example, 26 years ago, I took my first yoga class and felt it access a really sacred space inside me. I'm in yoga therapy teacher training now. Thank you, Al-Anon. I entered the program after I was in Al-Anon a few months. It's me trying to manage, control my environment to stay safe. In Al-Anon, I noticed I was having Al-Anon slip-ups. I was so confused and, in fact, scared by that. I wanted to trust in the hope promised in the program. 
I was feeling better a lot of the time, and then kapow, I'd fall down again. It was baffling to me. Then I started finding slip-ups mentioned in the reading, and I kept hearing, progress, not perfection. That helped so much. There's a quote that goes something like, failure isn't about learning how to fail, it's about learning how to fail more. Here's some websites with quotes on failure. I'm sure Brene Brown has some gems as well. Uh, this is Spencer again. I'll, I'll drop those links into the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 150. How to rebuild trust after they stop drinking. I don't know much about this one, but I'd love to hear how others have found or kept their serenity, how their expectations changed. And I have a feeling we did did a show on something close to that topic. I'll have to go look, and I'll, I'll again, I'll drop a link in the show notes if I find it. When your loved one stops drinking but doesn't want to go to AA. This is my situation now that I'd desperately love to hear about. My husband stopped drinking in January, did AA 15 years ago, doesn't want to do it again, and he recently agreed to go back to couples counseling. It's not easy. I don't know what he remembers from all the times he was drinking. It's nice he's not drinking and driving anymore. We're saving money by not spending it on beer at a bar. But those are the only things that feel different. Narcissism. I think my husband has this. When I read the definitions, they seem spot on. Well, actually not as much the definition, but more about the articles I've read when it describes living with loved ones like this. I've also seen how I have narcissistic tendencies around my Al-Anon-isms. Al-Anon speaker talks. Before I find your podcast, I listened in YouTube for Al-Anon and found a lot of speaker talks. This is one of my favorites. That is, if you can post a talk from YouTube and uh, Spencer again, yes, indeed I can, and I will put that in the show notes. I can listen to it again and take notes on the parts that speak to me most. One thing she shared that has stayed with me so much is that she decided to leave a relationship because her serenity became more important as her program became stronger. Another one that made me tear up was her sitting across from her father feeling so confident in herself, no longer needing his approval. I'd love to get there someday. How our Alanonism shows up physically. How stuff shows up in our bodies. For me, my body was going out more and more, worse and worse, until I was literally stuck in bed at times from a bad back. I even almost passed out from the severe pain the last time. It started about seven years ago in my foot. That healed, then exhaustion hit. Then my back started to go five years ago. Each time it got worse. In retrospect, it was as if my higher power was trying to get my attention. It was getting worse and worse. I was also in a car accident and got whiplash. I noticed with everything it took me so long to heal. I think I have a higher sense of suffering and some other Al-Anonisms I'm not clear on yet. Yoga and Al-Anon are saving me. My back hasn't gone out in a year, not to mention general tightness in my neck and shoulders. What keeps us from going into the rooms? For me, I was scared slash intimidated hearing some of my husband's experiences in AA 15 or more years ago, knowing he's an expert detective to find negative things. Ha, I let it stop me from going, even though I know those were his experiences, not mine, that it's a different program. Also, my mom didn't drink. She always said how she dislikes being around drunks. They're loud, think they're funny, spit as they speak. It wasn't until I was in the rooms and heard others share that their parents didn't drink, but their grandparents did. Well, a huge light went off, and I realized both my mom's parents drank heavily every weekend. I had a flood of memories that her sister told me when I was an adult of the memories she had of Grammy driving home from a party going up on the curb and how scary it was. My friend who said she used to go to Al-Anon and enjoyed it, but that her husband died and now she lives along. The stories we tell ourselves that keep us from walking into the room. Al-Anon slip-ups. This really baffled me, maybe during the second stage of my recovery. At first, I cried every time I opened my mouth in a meeting, which was every time because I wanted to challenge myself. 
I'd been so isolated and kept all this in for so many years, so I cried myself a river. Then I started to feel better. First, others noticed before I did. Then I started to notice, but then I'd have a slip-up. That confused me and scared me a little. I'm trying to find or create a new foundation for myself, lean into and trust the hope that Al-Anon promises me, and then I do some really lame stuff. I say a lot of junk to my poor kids. I have total slips. I had one this morning. Then I started to come across it mentioned in readings, which gave me such peace and reassurance. It happens. It's supposed to happen. Progress, not perfection. Slip-ups are linked to perfectionism. This was me again, wanting orderly structure I can count on. My first meeting. I've heard listeners say they listen to the podcast and haven't been to a meeting yet. I think it'd be cool to have several people contribute their first-time stories. I think you and your co-hosts have talked about it in other episodes, but maybe it hasn't gotten its own episode. For me, I was on the phone confiding in a friend. I know her, but not so well. It was a big stretch for me to reach out to her. I did so out of desperation, and looking back, she had serenity. She shared enough to me with no, she has her own struggles, but there was something about this calmness she has. It's hard to describe. It's like an aura around her. I've now seen it in lots of people in Al-Anon. She kindly offered to go to an Al-Anon meeting with me. She's in another 12-step program. She suggested a specific meeting, one she'd heard was good. This is the cool thing. I had penciled in on my calendar Al-Anon meetings for months. So, lately, when I was wondering the first time I went with her, I couldn't remember, and I saw remembered how I'd written it on my calendar and set the attention so many times. I also didn't like the Al-Anon schedule on the website, so one night while I was watching a movie, I created a color-coded schedule for myself. Another way, I was unknowingly setting the intention. So, I went to that meeting with my friend. I don't remember much. I do remember feeling so confused as to why I felt so much better after. Then I remember feeling confused as to why about three days later I didn't feel better anymore and had the thought I should go back, but I was still scared. I went one more time, sat in the back, didn't share. I was pretty creeped out because on the drive there I was thinking about how codependent I am and don't know how to change some of my patterns. Well, guess what the topic was? Codependency. The summer came and the kids were out of school and I let that eat up any time I had for myself. A friend had recommended a therapist. I went to her a few times. I was feeling stressed about how expensive that was. I was trying to work out a meeting time with a women's group I'd been involved with for 13 years, but with kids, evenings aren't a great time for me to leave the house. My husband has to rush home. I'm tired at that time. The kids get to sleep later and so are grumpy the next morning. I wanted support and felt like I would find something. Then I realized that Weird al place is cool. It's free. takes away the financial pressure. I don't even have to commit to make an appointment like I do with a therapist, which feels hard sometimes. Those 12 steps sound weird, but I like that there's structure. So I decided in the summer I was going to dive in as soon as the kids went to school. The first day the kids were back to school, I went to my third Al-Anon meeting, and I've been going consistently since, seven months ago. The day I walked in, my life felt bad, unmanageable. I shared in the meeting I was so scared, shaking like a leaf, crying. That unattractive kind of cry, not the cute rosy cheeks kind of cry. After the meeting, a woman walked up to me and asked me, Are you wondering how to find a sponsor? I was shocked, because I didn't say that, but I was wondering that, in fact, all summer long, but I didn't say it. Sponsorship, how to find one. I know you've done one or more episodes on sponsorship. I think people might scroll through the episodes and pick them by topic title, rather than like me listening my way up. How do you know who to ask? How to ask? How to change a sponsor? I have an experience around this I'm happy to share. How to sponsor someone? What if your sponsee doesn't believe in a higher power, but you do? How do you support them around things they're struggling with, but you don't have experience with it? How to say no if someone asks you because you don't think it would be a good fit or you have too many sponsees already? How many people to sponsor at a time? I would like to hear about this. A few months back, a woman asked me to sponsor her. 
I said I could be her temporary sponsor, but I'm new, and there are so many wise women in these rooms who may be better able to serve her. When I asked my sponsor, she advised me to complete my 12 steps before I sponsor someone. I offered to be her temporary sponsor. The woman who asked me only just now, three months later, got the Paths to Recovery book. She said when we first met that she's not so interested in working the steps. Then this week, two women asked me to sponsor them. They were both super evasive about it, but it's making me realize I should get clear on what I want and be ready to respond if asked again. How long did you go to meetings before finding a sponsor? Came to believe. Process, not an event. Finding myself again. I real feel, really feel like I'm relearning who I am. I was so invisible in my own life. I didn't know what I liked anymore. How do others rediscover themselves? Shutting down as a defense. I do this, and I wish I had other tools to use instead. Recovery on the road. I had a really big spiritual awakening. I was scared to travel with my husband because things had been so tense. I loaded up on as many meetings as I could, made a list of the tools I know, so I could literally pull it out if things got hairy, ensured that I had phone numbers of all Al-Anon friends in my phone, and brought literature. I was so happy you had an episode on it. I listened the whole way through in desperation and got yoga and go to meetings from it. This was another piece that helped me hit my bottom. So after two days of crying, I got my Al-Anon book out and did the next thing, fill out the questions to step two. After that, I took a shower. After wandering around the house for about five minutes, unable to decide whether to eat or shower first. That's how messed up I was. Then I ate food. I did a yoga video. All those things for the first time in too long. I started to feel better. Something was lifted. Then I got it. I have continued to look to my husband as my higher power. Bam. It was so crystal clear. I got it. I learned growing up in my house that my mom was my higher power. I had to live that way to survive. Then I found my husband and jumped right on in. Fast forward 15 years later, living with him, me crying on our vacation for two days, then I got it. I have lots of work to do. However, maybe this is the biggest one for me. To develop and refocus my attention on my higher power rather than looking for love and validation from people. People who are not well. Sick. Anger. I grew up with a single mother who raged. I never spoke back to her not once. Anger was evil, so for me to let anger out by accident made me a monster. Carrying the message. I really get excited about stuff. For example, green smoothies. So healthy. Want everyone to do it. Chia seeds. They can save all our lives. Alanon. It's amazing and saving me. I push too much. Attraction over promotion is better. One friend, I've asked her to come so many times because our struggles are so similar. I finally stopped asking her. Now I just pray for her. Another friend, I saw a post of hers on Facebook. It's like something came over me. I've been isolating so much over the past three years, don't know what came over me. I told her I was going to yoga that day if she wanted to meet and then go to an Al-Anon meeting. She said yes, and she just led her first meeting today. Gratitude. You already did an episode. I'd love to hear one episode with a few people interviewed to give their experiences of how they practice this daily or weekly. For me, I start the second I'm awake. I'm grateful for another day. Then I listen. Do I hear a bird? Grateful for the bird. My bed, my pillow. Now that we have running water for me to take a shower later, that the fridge is full and we have coffee, etc. That really changes my vibe so much. Anything inspired by Brene Brown. Shame, vulnerability, etc. Hypervigilance, quote, is an enhanced state of sensory sensitivity accompanied by an exaggerated intensity of behaviors whose purpose it is to detect threats. Hypervigilance is also accompanied by a state of increased anxiety, which can cause exhaustion. When someone read this in a meeting, I cried so hard, the hardest I've ever cried in a meeting. This is my life, and I didn't know it. My mom was a rager, and I had to be on guard all the time. The unpredictability was the hardest. 
then married, two kids, moved halfway across the country to a state I'd never been to, no great network of friends, exhausted, doesn't describe it well enough. I imagine I'm not the only one who's run themselves into the ground doing their Al-Anon dance to make everything okay. Parenting the Al-Anon way. What does that mean or look like? I just made that term up. Just one example, as I shared above, I realized that I made my mom, then my husband, my higher power. How do I ensure I don't do that to my kids? We don't attend a church regularly. There's one we like, but it's 40 minutes away, so that makes it hard to go consistently. How do I help my kids develop a relationship with their higher power and know that they are loved unconditionally by their higher power? How do I handle the chaos my husband creates in his living space, his side of the bedroom, the office, etc.? He never says no to them and help to create consistent structure without being overbearing or overcompensating with it. If you're still reading, you're a champ. I can't imagine you'd read it straight through, but just in case, if you did, a pat on the back to you. Thanks for all you do, Spencer. Best, Carrie. And, uh, wow, Carrie, that's that's quite the list. And I like your observations or questions, um, and I hope that that might help. You know, if you're listening and one of those topics strikes you and you might have something to say, uh, as I said at the beginning, we all have something to say, whether we think so or not. Please, please share your thoughts and you know, I would love to be able to assemble a, a topic episode with uh, shares from a whole bunch of different people on on the topic. So give us a call, 734-707-8795. Use the voicemail button on the website. Send an email. Uh, record it uh, in the voice memo on your phone and email it to feedback at com. Uh, or we can have a conversation. Send an email to feedback at com and... Uh, uh, I'd love to have your voice in, in the show on any of these topics. Bonnie wrote an email titled, Program Idea When Your Qualifier Goes to Prison, Then What? She writes, I've contacted you before. I love the podcast. It's a constant help to me. I might listen to several programs during one sitting and then not be able to listen again for a week, but I always come back for more encouragement. If you recall from my previous contact, I'm 53 years old, married at 16. My husband is an alcoholic. We are raising two grandchildren. Our three grown sons have addiction issues, one of which is in the county jail awaiting sentencing, and the drama continues. At this time, my husband is incarcerated for his fifth DUI. He had been sober for over six months when he relapsed during the last days of his father's fatal illness. My father-in-law died recently, and my husband has been in jail since a week later. He's been moved to a diagnostic center and rating his final destination in a long-term treatment center somewhere in the state of Missouri. I continue to go to meetings and talk to my sponsor, but I can't seem to adjust to all the hardship his incarceration is causing in my life. We immediately lost his income, which has resulted in financial crisis. The loneliness is overwhelming at times. All the responsibilities of the household and the children are overwhelming. What have others done in this situation? Do you have any idea? Grateful member of Al-Anon. And uh, I don't have that experience, Bonnie. Um, I have talked to people whose loved one has been incarcerated, uh, and it's, it is difficult. Uh, so I'm going to have to reach out uh, to you if you're listening and you are in this situation, have been in this situation. If you can share with Bonnie and with uh, the rest of us how, how you dealt with it. How did you continue to live your life? Uh, how did you deal with the, the difficulties caused by that incarceration? You know, the closest I come is, is when my wife was in a residential treatment program on the other side of the state, and um, she was on a medical leave, so at least we still had some income from her, and I had my own income. Definitely, uh, life was 
in some ways more difficult because I was being a single father to two preteen children, uh, and in some ways simpler because the alcoholic chaos was was gone from the home. Uh, but it, it was a real mixed bag. Uh, so if you have experience with your loved one being incarcerated, uh, please share with us. Bonnie will thank you, and so will I. My name is Amparo, and uh, I just recently ran into your podcast after uh, yeah, searching on the web and I guess searching in license, and I really uh, appreciate your library of, of information. I am new to Al-Anon and uh, decided that when I can't get to a meeting, it would be good for me to hear, to listen as well, so uh, that's what I'm doing. Uh, one one thing I haven't seen on your in your library of podcasts, and it might be in there, is just that I haven't seen it as a topic that, in particular, is, is close to me. One of the many. I guess I'm a I'm a mother, and uh, my daughter is an alcoholic addict. She's now 40, and she has children. Uh, my grandchildren. Something about uh, living with a or not that I live with her, but I do because she's in my you know community, living with a daughter or child, uh, alcoholic, I'd love to hear about that. Also, similarly, along the same lines, but uh, grandchild, um, I have a grandson who uh, is 21 now and who's an alcoholic addict, how to do that. Anyway, um, those are my thoughts, love to hear something about that. And thank you again for for your show and for uh, doing what you do. Uh, appreciate it. It's helped me to stay connected and and keep learning from the process. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Bye bye. Well, thank you, thank you for the call and uh, and for your questions. I know we did um, a panel quite a while ago where we had uh, several Al-Anon members who were parents of alcoholics or addicts come and talk about their experience. I will uh, I will look that up and, and put a link to it in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 150. Uh, and I hope you find that, that helpful. I think it might be time to come back around to that topic. I know it's something that uh, is true for a lot of people that uh, they have children or grandchildren who are alcoholics and addicts, and it feels a little different than than maybe when it's a spouse or a uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or a parent and, uh, and uh, if you have if you have that experience and you feel inspired to call and share I'd love to include your voice in a later episode uh, so thanks for the call and we got a voicemail from Akila. hey Spencer this is Akila. I'm calling in um, about a couple of episodes actually I've been listening and I wanted to call but I couldn't find the words and Finally, I realized that the the shows you've had have pretty much lined up perfectly with what I've been going through. This whole idea of so you love an alcoholic, um, emotional safety, and worthy of love. Like the three really dovetail nicely for me. Um, I do love alcoholics, and I love people who love alcoholics. And I'm speaking specifically of my parents and had the realization that it was time for us to no longer share a place because my daughter told me that she did not feel emotionally safe, actually, as to her. Um, I remember saying, you know, you're not in any danger. You're not in physical danger. You know, things are okay. And she said, you know, but I don't feel emotionally safe. That's exactly what she said. And so I found your 
podcast to be perfectly on time. That whole thing of walking on eggshells, you know, she was just describing the way it was for me when I grew up. And so I had to make some tough decisions, but they weren't really hard because I feel good about them. I know where I am, knowing what needs to be done. And I think the biggest takeaway is that I am showing my daughter she's worthy of love. One of the things we talked about is that it's really showing her. I'm doing for her what I wish my mother had been willing to do for me or able to do for me. And to me, and I even thought, you know, this is showing my daughter that her feelings matter, that she deserves to be treated well and with respect, and that she is worthy of love. So I, I really am just really grateful and thankful for you and the podcast, just adding another um, voice in my ears to when I'm thinking about some of the things that I have to go through or some of the things that I experience while I deal with the effects of alcoholism in my life. All right, I'll start you soon. Thanks. Bye. And thanks for your call, Akila. And thank you for everybody's voices that you have contributed to today's episode. I'm uh, actually feeling a little better since I've been sitting out here thinking about program, talking about program, listening to the birds. And, and if you've been wondering what that loud breathing noise that sometimes appears in the background, my dog's out here and, and he's actually hot. Uh, he's a black dog and, and lying in the sun and being hot. And so he's panting. Uh, it's just part of the environment. Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.